What's going on, Player Profiler Nation? Welcome to the latest episode of the Future Cast. I'm Maddie Kiwum, and joined today by Mr. OG Theo Greminger. Theo, we got our shades on today. We're talking about some prime time reactions. How you feeling? I'm feeling loose. I love you know we we were very much influenced here by Coach Prime in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I got to say, though, Matty Kiwum, wearing shades for a podcast is kind of disorienting. <laughs> I, I don't know how long I'll be able to go with it, but when Matty Kiwum and I took over at FutureCast, we told you we're bringing our luggage with us, and it would be Louie. And today, we're bringing in our guy, Anand Nanduri, to join us today and talk about some of these top-notch prospects, as well as some of these big-time games on the horizon. You know, Anand, he he, he keeps it real. You know he's got his allegiance when it comes to college football. He's he, he's bleeding <laughs> scarlet. He's bleeding bleeding scarlet and silver over there. Look the at him. Let me look at him right now. Look at my man swag. Look how much drip he has. If drip is contagious, when you're watching the future cast, it's going to drip <laughs> off on you. Anand, how are you doing tonight? Or excuse me, today, since this is airing on uh, Friday. But we're so stoked to have you in the mix. We really appreciate your takes on college football. You're active with it. You're you're very knowledgeable on prospects. And you're like an insider when it comes to Ohio State. How are we feeling? Theo, Maddie, thanks so much for having me, guys. And I mean, worked in the league for a long time, but this is the passion, right? Yeah. I mean, you can you go to you go to Bears Packers and you can see the energy there, but there's nothing like, you know, a school that you've given 120,000 of your blood-soaked dollars to and, and <laughs> sweating it out with them as opposed to the NFL team that's either made you happy or disappointed you for half your life. So it's a little bit different of a connection. There are definitely a lot more people that are rowdy at 7 a.m. on one side than the other. That's what makes this a whole lot of fun. So I'm excited to get in with you guys. Yeah, we had to have you on, man. I mean, co-host of the Decision Point, uh, Nanduri NFL on Twitter. Make sure you check them out. Always talk to prospects. And you guys in the Decision Point, you have such a unique dynamic where you talk about the team building aspect the behind the scenes, like the in the weeds type stuff in team building in NFL. So obviously you're hip with the college, you know, aspect of it, the prospect side of it. And like you said, you know, it's, it's a passion that uh, you, you kind of have to experience to really, really get into. So we're excited to have you. You got the OSU Jersey and the chain, right? Gotta have it, man. You know, be about it or, or, or be about it, you know, and, and we're about it. Dion would yell at us <laughs> if we didn't. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Dion in a second, uh, but we're obviously gonna have a, a bunch of reactions here, primetime reactions on today's show of a few quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and tight ends that we're gonna start talking about now before it's too late when they get into the dynasty realm. Uh, so while we let's just get into it, guys. Let's talk about the breakout performance so far through the college season. It's just the universe. It's it's the University of Colorado. They're the yeah. biggest ticket in town. Coach Prime doing the thing. So, Anand, what's your take uh, on just Coach Prime in general and what the hell that University of Colorado is doing? I think people are going to be pissed off, man, because no matter what you do, no matter how you go about doing something, when you're a little bit different and it works, it forces everybody else in your industry to reconsider what they're doing. And so now you have you know a program, and, and not to drag the show into a place that we haven't taken it already, but you look at a program like Florida State where it took them three or four years to acquire the cycles of talent that it requires to compete at that level. Nobody's talking about how long it took Florida State to get to where they are. They're just looking at the team for what it is. And right now, Colorado, despite beating TCU and Nebraska and Colorado State, hasn't taken on a team of national caliber that we know is going to be good going forward. And so as unfair as it is, or as fair as it is, to be honest, because we don't know yet, uh, as fair or unfair as it is, people are going to stare at their head coaches, at their ADs, at everybody in their program and say, well, if Deion Sanders could do this coming from an HBCU, why can't you do it? And to an extent, they're right. Because we have the transfer portal, we have NIL, it's easier to put together a roster than it's ever been in terms of acquiring talent. If this is a talent acquisition job, they just made it a hell of a lot easier for you if you're willing to spend the money. So it takes someone that is this disruptive that's simply just, hey, this is my way of doing things. You may like it, you may not like it. And the best part about it is we have to play the games. So we're going to find out. And if Dion had started 0-3, no one would have cared. But because he's 3-0 and and you can see the tangible results of what he built for a 1-11 team last year that lost to Power 5 teams by 25-plus points on average, 
you're looking at a very different program and it happened overnight. That's a testament to him and what they've built out there. And what's crazy guys is, you know, we've heard for a number of years about how coaches are being graded by how they are able to bring in transfers Mm -hmm. and how, you know, coaches have lost their jobs by not being able to get these second chance kind of guys. And then Dion comes in and he has like 50 new guys and he's totally broken the system. But at the end of the day, that's too much for some of these like establishment guys. It's not good. There was all these hit pieces. First, he gets the hit pieces about how he leaves Jackson state and it's like, okay. Um, but you know, he made them nationally relevant and mm-hmm. he exceeded as his job. And then he took some, takes another, you know, big job at Colorado. And that's one thing. So there was hit pieces on that. Then there's hit pieces about him running guys off on the roster, which is something that college ba- college basketball and college football coaches do everywhere. If a guy's not good enough and you get a new job, they get run off. He was just more mm-hmm. honest about it and in greater numbers. So it's just it's been hit piece after hit piece. And then you had all these people saying he's going to get smoked by TCU. They beat TCU. And then is the next the next argument is TCU is way down this year. They're not the same as last year. You hear that after the, but come on, give me a break. Look at the line in Vegas. So yeah, Nebraska game was the most bet on game all season long. And the Colorado state, Colorado, a mountain West pack 12 game was the most streamed game of all time. The most streamed game of all time. I had it on, on my iPad. Cause I, you yeah. know, as Maddie Kimum knows, I get relegated midnight over to here. DOC. Yeah. And it was but, midnight in the East coast when that thing yeah. was in, getting going. Yeah, and we're staying up past midnight to watch a Mountain West Pac-12 game for yeah. a team that, you know, didn't win last year. Two teams that didn't win last year. So it's wild. Hat tip to him. And there's some real talent there, though, guys. Let's talk about these players. Travis Hunter, Anand. How I know he's out now a couple weeks with an injury, but he's unbelievable. This is like Charles Woodson 2.0. Special football player. And, and I mean, people joked about it preseason. Can Travis Hunter win the Heisman? And, you know, Part of this is his head coach has put him on a pedestal and has put his face out there and is giving him the stages to do it. It's kind of like when we talk about NFL MVP, the Heisman's a narrative award. That's why I was so weary about people betting Caleb Williams to win it again. There's only one player that's ever won it twice. That's not to say that a player hasn't had back-to-back the best college football seasons that deserve said award. But they're they're not going to give it to him unless he goes way above and beyond and does something spectacular. And one of the things that we we talk about in college football is you need these quote unquote Heisman stages where everyone's watching. It's the reason we never saw Christian McCaffrey get a real push towards winning it. It's it's ever since SC kind of exited their golden age, people forgot about the Pac-12. This is the first real, not just exciting, but drama filled. You have to watch must-see TV, Pac-12 program that we've had since Pete Carroll's USC team. And yeah. I think it's drawing eyes, and it's it's tragic that the conference, the conference is breaking up after this because I can make an argument to you right now that they're the best conference in college football, top to bottom at this moment. And the biggest story isn't Wisconsin, or sorry, isn't Washington. It isn't. USC. It's not Oregon. It's Colorado, mm-hmm. who right mm-hmm. now actually looks like they have the horses to go and play with some of these teams. A year after, we would be talking about them relegated to English English Division Two if we were playing soccer. <laughs> the championship, guys. Let's yeah. use proper. proper <laughs> we can English, use proper. You know. Watch Wrexham I, on FX. You'll learn, you learn know, a little about that. That, stuff. that was an FCS team. Like, yeah. let's let's call this what it is. Last year's Colorado team was an FCS team. Mm-hmm. And now we are talking about them potentially, you know, as a seven or eight win power five team. No one saw this coming. If you weren't in the building at Colorado, and obviously it's a great story, but no one saw this coming and sat there and said, yeah, let me take Colorado's win total alt over seven and a half. People were not doing that. This is a recalibration of expectations, and it should be because this team is really, really good, but we also should give them the credit if they go forward. Oregon's really good. USC's really good. Washington, Washington State, Oregon State, they're all really good teams. So if they go 7-5, and it's not an indictment on what this staff has built at all. You can't just sit there and say, oh, well, they beat these three teams to start the season, and now we're going to project them to win the Pac-12 and call them trash if they don't. 
when Coach Prime came from, you know, Jackson State, he pulled Grand Theft Auto. He stole guys from all over. And the guy, you know, the the prized possession was the highest recruit in the country that he brought to Jackson State. That's Travis Hunter. We saw him play over 100 snaps in week one on both sides of the ball. He was a difference maker on both sides of the ball. Oh, but I, I, my question for you, on and, and, and Theo, I'd love to hear your thoughts too. What is his possible projectability in the NFL? Is Corner. he someone we're going to be able to use in fantasy at wide receiver? Is he an IDP only guy going to play corner, or is he going to pull a Shohei Otani baseball reference and play both sides? Corner. He's going to be a corner because that's the, I think that's his best position. I think like corner pays the bills. Um, you know when you're becoming an elite corner, I think that's his his that's his best position. I think that he's going to be a first rounder at the cornerback position. And if you're going to take a guy in the first round at corner, you really don't want to put him in at wide receiver as like your fourth or third best wide receiver. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. if you get a shutdown core, there's probably a few shutdown corners in the league that would be able to be like a number four, or number five, cause they're just such elite athletes and usually played both sides of the ball. Certainly not at the extent of Travis Hunter, but NFL teams aren't messing around with, with playing guys on both sides of the ball. Uh, where are you at on that, Anand? Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's it's talked about on one side and then the other. Um, who else is pulling Travis under to Jackson State and then to Colorado, right? It, 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 talking about the number one player in America, yeah. and then you get the number one DB in America the following year in Cormani McLean that is now on campus at Colorado. Yeah. And the last thing that we heard about him is Coach Prime doesn't think he's good enough to play yet. We're talking about the number one corner in America at Colorado, and he's not good enough to play yet because that's the level of expectations we have here. I'm, I'm with Theo. I think his best position in the NFL level is probably DB. Um, and we'll see because, I mean, yeah, he could absolutely be a pure cover corner. He can move all over the place. We've seen him do it on offense and defense. So don't be surprised if, you know, you get a really creative defensive coordinator that wants to find a very particular position for him kind of like you know we saw with the rams and brandon staley and finding jalen ramsey the star position and you know Mm -hmm. kind of migrating him from his usual you're just going to play slot corner you're going to play boundary corner to moving him all over the place and creating matchup advantages because i think that's where we're headed i think the next generation of nfl defense is being offensive in terms of forcing mismatches that people don't want so the luggage that he brought was highlighted by Travis Hunter, but he also brought his son, you know, former four-star recruit Shooter Sanders, uh, and he's absolutely lit it up. And now we're getting reports that he's one of the highest-paid NIL players in the entire country. Uh, Heisman talk ringing through the airwaves, wherever you want to get on the hype train. Uh, and is he a for future first-round pick? In what draft class are we should, should we expect Sanders to enter? I think it's going to be tough for him if if you're advising anybody that's a really good quarterback, especially one that's younger, because this would be his true junior year. This is his first draft eligible year. This year's quarterback class is really good. It's really Mm -hmm. deep. There are a lot of sixth year seniors. There are a lot of fifth year seniors. And we know what Caleb Williams and Drake may are. They're really special quarterbacks prospects. So if you're advising him, I think he goes next year, but I think he's absolutely a first round pick. And he's, he's shown things in these first three weeks that at Jackson state he had before, but the, the bump in competition, especially as it scales, when you look at, you know, what Jackson state's conference looked like versus what the current PAC 12 looks like, they've needed him to be superhero. They needed him to score 40-plus against TCU. Now, they didn't need that against Nebraska because Nebraska fell off the wagon. But it doesn't matter who they've thrown out there. He's been productive against everybody. And if you're a first-round NFL draft pick at quarterback, that's what you want to see. I think he probably stays there because Travis has to come back. You know, it's his true sophomore year. Travis Mm -hmm. has to come back and... I think they're going to run this thing back one more time, but don't be surprised if he gets talked about in that top 10, top five in next year's class. I think he's going to be a top 10 pick in this year's class, guys. I think he's got a lots of traits, and I don't think 21 is going to scare people off. And like waiting to be the the next year's number one overall pick, I get that there's a little more like cachet and a little more money with being picked at the top spot, but I think he's, even if we start poking holes in his game, I think he's a top 10 pick, Anand. Like, if you look at, like, the, his makeup, the way he can move, making all the throws, he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, 
And when you get past the first two guys in the draft and you start looking at Sanders versus like, you know, we're going to talk about Penix, who's a little bit older. Like Penix kind of is what it is. I think Sanders at the end of the day, they don't, they're not scared of taking these 21 year olds. I mean, look what Anthony Richardson. So I don't know. I, I, I think, I think he's going to leave and I think he's going to be a top 10 pick um, and some other stud will be quarterback in Colorado next year. I know he's involved with a bunch of recruits and Anon with this, the way that the portal works, he could get somebody else's starter and he's going to be, you know, he's going to be fine. So I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, I think it's a really interesting conversation either way. I mean, I don't think that there's any chance that he falls out of the first round of either one, whether it's this year or next year. Um, I think it's really more of a, my dad is building this program and my buddy Travis came with us and, you know, we, we brought Cormani, you know, Horn juniors there. We bought Dylan Edwards. There's, there's just, it, it feels like a, a group of guys that wants to achieve something together. And so if they can keep them there, they can keep them there. But I think no matter what you're looking at worst case scenario, someone looks at him kind of like Lamar Jackson was looked at with the Ravens where someone is going to try to get that fifth year, you know, of his rookie deal taking him at the end of the first round. So I really don't think that there's a chance whether he goes this year or next year that he falls out around one. He certainly throws a prettier ball than I can remember. I didn't watch a ton of Jackson state admittedly. So maybe that's what it was, but I mean, he does look good out there. He throws the ball. He looks like he makes all throws working out with Tom Brady. It's insane. Uh, I do wonder if it is a tell, you know, prime had a, uh, one of the best high school recruits from the 25 class in on Colorado. I wonder if that's a tell that, you know, my my son's gonna stick around for for a third year, and, and we're gonna run it back. I also think that a factor in when he could potentially declare will uh you know kind of spend over these next two weeks because if they lose both weeks without Travis to Oregon and USC, their playoff hopes are done. And I could see Sanders, like Anand said, wanting to stick around and kind of do be a part of what his dad's building at, at a Power Five school. So, but other way, I think he's a first round pick. The hype around him is gonna be tremendous and. I mean, if he's already working out Tom Brady, uh, I'm on board 100%. Uh, and how about before, guys? When how about guys? The post game celebration where yeah, the cameraman yeah. gets him to throw up his watch. And oh, he's, just, he's like, it's, it was just incredible swag. It's like the best celebrations swag. ever. I, I love it. I love it. They, the Rock, Little Wayne does a concert on campus and then like leaves the team out. And the Rock <laughs> casual is in the is in the living is in the locker room. Little Wayne that concert. It's it, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's an amazing show. We could spend like two hours talking Colorado. Um, and I'll say this: people are gonna hate this this take, but it's a little bit like when Nick Saban took over at Alabama. And that's all I gotta say. Like Nick Saban starts bringing in all these studs, mm-hmm. and Anon his his Nick Saban's record in year one was seven and six, and I think they lost the bowl game, and then all of a sudden. Mark Ingram's there and Julio Jones is there and it's like a waterfall of talent and talent wins in college football. I don't, I don't care if you have the resources, you can win big like Colorado going to the big 12. They're going to dominate that conference. There's, there's, there's a couple of teams that are like, I think Utah is a great program. There's a couple of teams that are in the big 12 now that are tough, but Colorado is just going to be a monster in that conference. It's perfect for them. Travel's perfect. They have Central Florida there for him to get get players uh, out of the Florida connection. I mean, it's it's absolutely perfect. So I love it. I'm rooting for them. I'm very disappointed that I can't buy the gear. The gear is all sold out. Sold out, man. Of course it is. You can't get that prime gear. Yeah. Uh, any last thoughts about Colorado? I mean, I just I think you're you're watching what can be done, and and that's it's a really important thing when when you're exposed on a national level to what someone can do if you are the right person. I think my, my biggest takeaway from Colorado is, you know, if you find someone charismatic that wants to do this, that loves it, let them go do it. Because at this point, the fact that the, the biggest thing to me about this is Deion Sanders played 30 years ago and he's relating to kids that are playing now. So go find your version of the guy that kids can still relate to, but they understand the greatness of that has that in them. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that you're going to find another Deion Sanders, but you're going to find someone that's relatable enough that they're going to draw you recruits because I don't know about you guys, but I don't know the last couple of five-star commits that committed to Colorado before. This. It was, he set the record yeah. this year, this yeah. year. They, I think they had three and that that's was in the yeah. total of the, in the total of the school, like they've all they've all they've had very talented, you know, teams and a lot of NFL players throughout the years, but he set the record for five stars his first like month on campus. So that's that. 
I mean, you take anybody else, replace Dion with literally anyone else that's ever coached college football. Are they getting five stars to Boulder, Colorado? I don't think so. Mm. And how I about mean, the University of Nebraska? Good. University of Nebraska, there was rumors they could have gotten prime, and he <laughs> shot them down. I mean, any can you imagine? Can you imagine how, like no I'm in the Big um, Ten and doing that? The the other part of it that's funny about Nebraska is you know that is and it, and it's easy to forget because they've been bad lately. But that is a blue blood program. Yes, Nebraska football matters. In the you can't tell the story of college football without Nebraska, and you know to see where it be, where it went. Scott Frost was supposed to be a really good hire. Mm-hmm. I thought at the time he was a really good hire. I think Matt Rule's gonna go forward and be a really good hire. But for Nebraska to be fighting through sub five hundred seasons is just way beyond where they've ever been as a program in terms of prestige that I think that it's kind of incredible that Dion's already taken Colorado past that program in year one. I think that should tell you a lot about just how much he's done and where Nebraska is right now. The Colorado school does have some swag built in great uniforms, beautiful campus. Prime can wear the cowboy hat. You know, there is some uh, additional things that are going on here, but of course, Prime's going to take it to the moon. It's a ton of, it's a, it's a ton of fun to watch. Uh, but you come to play a profile for some fan- fantasy analysis. So we're going to dive into a handful of players that you guys should start putting on your radars in Dynasty. But before we do, let's hear from the Podfather talk about underdog fantasy. It has been two years since Josh Larkey paved the way for fantasy gamers to start expecting positive returns from Pick'em games, specifically underdog Pick'ems. And how do you do it? Well, you look at the slate and you find a great shootout or a sneaky shootout. You also look for a shit show game. Three, four, five, six guys in one game. That's right. You can do it. You can do it. And you can 100x your payout on underdog. Think about week one. Jets-Bills was a shit show. Did we see the Aaron Rodgers injury coming? No, but we knew the Jets have a good defense. We knew the Bills have a good defense. Why not expect the worst? And the worst is what we got. So if you had gone Dalvin Cook less than, Garrett Wilson less than, Aaron Rodgers less than, Josh Allen less than, Gabriel Davis less than, boom, 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 boom. You can go six for six. Same thing in week two. Oh, week two. Well, sneaky shootout there in Philadelphia. Minnesota's going to be in comeback mode. So we'll go Cousins. Jefferson, Hawkinson, more than. Madison, less than. But also, Swift, more than. Boom, 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 boom. That's how you do it with the underdog pickums, and you use promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You put in 100 underdog matches that deposit up to 100 bucks with promo code UNDERWORLD. Go start picking. We're back here with the Future Cast. Maddie Kiwum, Theo Gremminger, joined by the legend Anand and Dury. We're talking about four different positions quarterback, receiver, running back, tight end, you know, the fantasy relevant ones. And Theo pulled the old Opie dope on me. He took his glasses off during the ad read. And I thought, finally, read. I'll, I'll I said, good, I'll take my glasses off. Time. I don't you know, mind. I'm sick it. of wearing my wife's glasses. I can't find mine. My normal daily glasses are in the truck. I can't find my stunner shade. So I grabbed these. And as I'm looking at myself in the mirror in this camera, I'm like, Jeez, Louise, everyone in the comments would be like, Maddie, take off your wife's glasses. And all right, fine. Okay, we're off now. Okay, I, you so know, now I, we, you, I don't think, I think you, you pulled it off. It wasn't, right, we'll nobody on. was like, is Maddie Keenwin wearing female glasses? You know, we, nobody, nobody thought that until you said it, Maddie. You, you, you opened up yourself, man. You didn't have that. <laughs> they have these like corners, like cat. I don't know. That's uh, yeah. we, that's, 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 that's for my new show on Play Profiler, Sunglass Hour. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about my wife's glasses. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we're talking about players. The players you got to get on your radar so you can dominate in Dynasty. And we're going to start with QB. And uh, uh, this guy was put on the list because Theo wanted to bring him up, and I think he's well-deserved. I mean, he's getting he's getting Heisman hopeful talks. Uh, First-round labels are starting to get thrown in this guy. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., lefty from the University of Washington. Anand, what can our Dynasty gamers expect that if he comes out in 2024, where is he going to land in the draft, and what could his potential be in the NFL? I think you have to look at this kind of the same way that you looked at Hendon Hooker at Tennessee last year, where you have this dynamic dual threat quarterback injury problems. That's biggest issue has been his offensive coordinator and his injury history timelines haven't ideally aligned. They were in college a little bit longer. They're a little more developed than your typical NFL quarterback is going to be. 
they're not going to have the same upside as a guy like we talked about before in an Anthony Richardson simply because they've been developed a bit longer. You know, they've, they've been in a system a little longer. But what he's done at Washington is really impressive. And he was an impress he was really impressive while he was in Indiana too. So it's it's not just, you know, this is not a one stop impression here. This is not a five game impression. He was really, really good last year. He's been incredible this year. He's one of the reasons Washington is where they are in, you know, playoff contention, Pac 12 title rate, and national contention, which I don't think people have discussed Washington being yet. But if he keeps playing the way that he's playing, they're going to play themselves right into that playoff discussion, and they're going to be right there because we've seen offices in college football take things over like this before. And, you know, with the players that they have outside there, they could absolutely get away with that. Michael Pittock Jr., I mean, he's leading the nation in passing right now. Um, you know, he's top 10 in both offensive grading and uh, passing grading on PFF. And he is, he's he's checking all the boxes, but Adam, you bring up a great point. He's a sixth-year guy. He played four years at Indiana. This is his second year in Washington, so he is more developed. And that Hendon Hooker label, I'm not going to lie, it throws a little bit of cold water on the prospect, but in a good way, to temper expectations and expect that a kid of his age and his stature in the NCAA is going to have some success. But he's definitely worth watching. He's a lot of fun. Theo, what are your thoughts on Mr. Penix Jr.? No, I mean, I... <laughs> I, I love him. I think that I think that he'll be drafted a little bit higher than Hendon Hooker. Um, I think he's he's you know it seems like Hendon Hooker kind of creeped up throughout the year, but it seems like you know a lot of the NFL people are in on Penix. And yeah, he's got the big time injuries. He's also a little bit older, so I think that's going to push him down. But I mean, the tape doesn't lie. The guy's really really good. I watched some of that Boise State game to open the year, and I thought it would be a game, and they're just toying with them, just toying with them. So. I, I like him a lot. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they they view him. Um, you know, with the he's got a ton of injury history, but I think he's going to run like a four six, and he seems to make all the throws. So I don't know, Maddie. I'm I'm pretty optimistic. I um, it'll be interesting. I mean, he's certainly not going to crack the the big two, and there's a couple guys behind him that I think you know could get drafted ahead of him. And so, but he's intriguing. And I think some people are going to like the fact that he's a little bit older, thinking that they can plug him right in. So something in his profile that sticks out to me is his accuracy. Uh, he's been not so accurate over his career, uh, but this year he's been hyper accurate, uh, 74.3%. Adam, is that something that you think could translate? Is that here to stay? Or is so far just a nice three games for Penix Jr.? I think it has to do with the receivers that he has at Washington when we talk about one of those early and often. Yeah, when in early and often. and you know. People want to talk about Ohio State and how I feel about Ohio State, but I think the best wide receiver rooms in America, I think Washington and Texas are right there, and they deserve to be talked about that way because of the way that they're winning for him early and often, how good he's been at doing it. You know, it's it's one thing for receivers to be running before and quarterbacks just missing their guys. You can chalk that up to the fact that he is older than your average, you know, power five starting quarterback, or you can acknowledge this guy's just gotten the opportunity that he's gotten out there. And I think that's why it's that Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hurts kind of tab has been put on him is every time we see this guy go out there better and not worse. And that's making the evaluation easy because Every time you see him, the guy does more things that you were you had questions about <laughs> and is, you know, essentially solving his own problems on the fly. And that's great coaching. And that's a quarterback that clearly understands how to play the position and is isn't trying to do everything all the time. We've seen some of these guys kind of fall into the trap of doing analysis there. Absolutely. Next guy I want to bring up that you bring up Ohio State. I'm gonna put your feet to the fire, Mr. Nandari. We're Big game about this weekend, Matty Kiwum. Big game this Big weekend. game for them. Big game Big for them this, game this week. And we yeah. got to start here with our primetime reactions for the quarterback. You know, you're on X talking about QB1. This is our QB1, Mr. Kyle McCord. Uh, what are your reactions to him? And is he someone that we should be getting on our radar? Not for this year, but maybe 2024 and beyond or 25 and beyond. 
I think it it's it's going to be more of a product of what do we see in this game and beyond. So I think anybody that plays for Ohio State has to be on your radar simply because every quarterback Ryan Day has had with you, Dwayne Haskins when he was the OC, you get Justin Fields, CJ, they've all profiled as high-level NFL starters. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. for that reason, the offense – is one of the it's it's tough because you see things made super easy for them in the way that you know back to what we were talking about with Michael Penix, the offense has been made easy for him. Kyle McCord is not asked to carry the load for Ohio State in the way that you know your traditional you know national championship contending quarterbacks have to do at times. And for that reason, I don't think I would put him there yet. Um, just, you know, purely comparatively, because you can't talk about Ohio State without talking about Michigan, it seems like. J.J. Murphy started to do some things where you're watching him operate outside of what they've schemed up for him. Kyle hasn't really had to do that yet, and I don't know that you're going to see him, especially have to do it, really, until you get to Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan. And so for that reason, purely, I think he's a name to watch, and I would be excited about him, but... Not necessarily a guy that I'm saying, hey, he should come out after junior year and and mm. kind of do his thing. That makes sense. And the 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 backup quarterback though, him winning that job was a huge deal, right, Anan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Devin Brown, yeah, uh, doing the th- doing the things that Devin Brown has done at Ohio State is kind of it's it's a different wrinkle. He's not ready yet, um, and, I, and I think that was proved two weeks ago. Same thing with Lincoln Keenholes looking down the line. Uh, but, it, I mean, you're looking at guys that basically Ryan Day is running out of bed and manufacturing 35 touchdowns a year, which it just sounds bonkers to talk about. But that's what they're producing right now. You know, whether it's a product of the quarterback, a product of the running backs, offensive line, tight ends, wide receivers, whoever it is you want to attribute credit to, that's really the toughest part of, of dissecting who the parts of the Ohio State offense are that you want going forward to the league because there are times where you make the quarterback look good and there are times where the quarterback makes the receivers look good. So I don't think we have enough information on Kyle to be super excited yet, but there are progression things that he's done from week one to week three that are really promising. Yeah, exactly. And that's that was going to be my point. He has gotten better, and I know that the competition wasn't there, but you can only play who is on the schedule, and he has dominated uh, over the last couple weeks. So Kyle McCord, someone to keep an eye on. Uh, let's move on to the running back position. We talked Ohio State, so I had to do this to you on it. I'm sorry, but we're going to talk about a Michigan Wolverine, Blake Corum. We knew about him last year. He's back this year playing some really good football for the Wolverines. Theo, should people be excited about Blake Corum eh, eh, going in, in into his NFL career? I like him a lot. I think he's he's like short. He's a 5'8 guy, but I think he's going to weigh in 210, 212, 215. Like he's very solidly built. And I think he's a very good player. I think he would have been an interesting player last year, Maddie, if he would have if he would have entered the draft. I mean, obviously he came back to school making a million dollars in NIL money this year. I mean, that's no joke. So, like, I think he's going to end up being a guy that probably goes in third round. I think that sounds about right. I think that he's good enough that he can he can sneak in on uh, day two, and I think he's a good enough back that he can help us out. But I. I think like the the idea that he's a smaller back, there's been plenty of these backs that are, you know, shorter, but they're like 210, 215, um, and they have longer careers in the NFL. Uh, the BMI is there, and he's a good player. He's a really good player. The Michigan team is absolutely loaded this year, and he's really good. And I remember he was he was one of those guys from the um from the St. Francis in Baltimore that had the the documentary. And I remember watching him when he was young on the documentary, and then you know, he ends up going to to college at Michigan and he ends up crushing it. So it's kind of a guy that we followed for a long time. And I got nothing but nothing but solid things to say about him. Um, where are you at on him, Maddie? Uh, I, I've, I like Edwards better uh, coming into this year, but Corum, he keeps getting the ball and he keeps producing. I mean, he's had six touchdowns on the year. He's been over 100 yards now uh, last week. Uh, he's breakaway run guy, but... I'm a little bit nervous about that size, 5'8", 213. He's going to be a little bit older for running backs. My gut tells me if he's kind of like a shorter version of like an Evan Hull, someone that will probably test better than people expect, 
people will be excited about, even with a little bit of late draft capital. Uh, but going into this year, I did not have him ranked all that highly in terms of the running backs that I was I was ranking. Uh, he was up there, but I, I liked uh, a number of running backs better. But he's showing up, and he keeps he keeps producing. He's going to be in some big games, so uh, I, I expect him to have some helium over the draft process. On in. I know you didn't want to talk about no Michigan Wolverines tonight wearing that chain, wearing that jersey, but you got to. Uh, I think that one of the things that's going to be under-discussed when we talk about Blake Corum is the fact that he has Donovan Edwards' stuff. It's one of the reasons that we loved Roshan Johnson so much last year as a crew is, right. you know, he didn't have to take RB1 for years because he had Bijan there. And when you look at what Blake can be, we saw him be the most dynamic back in work, basically side-by-side side with Bijan last year. And, and – you know, I, I understand that he was in a better situation than B-Rob was last year, but you can't ignore production. And as good as we think Donovan Edwards is, as explosive as he is, that Michigan coaching staff washed Blake Corum over and over and over again and just said, we can't touch And I think that has to matter. Yeah, obviously we'd love to get him last year and, and kind of mm-hmm. ease him back into touches this year and then really get him full but this really isn't a bad backup plan all things considered that is absolutely an uh, an nfl caliber offensive line at michigan he's not he's not hamstrung by a bad quarterback everything about this screams he's a guy that as theo said you draft day two day two and are just thrilled about having in your backfield for the next five to six years so this next running back, I was, I had to bring him up tonight because I haven't really heard a lot about him, uh, but he's 5'10", 227. He's a junior year right now. He's uh, leading the nation in rushing. Uh, admittedly, he has an extra game. That might be a hit onto who he is. Uh, but he's about 10 yards a touch, just under. He's scored five touchdowns. He's grading insanely well on PFF. He's uh, up there in breakaway runs this year. He's broken the most tackles. This year, and I'm talking about Notre Dame's running back, Audric Estimi. I, is, I, w- I wasn't, this guy was not on my radar a few weeks ago, but now he's producing at a level in that size. If the speed translates, he might all of a sudden burst onto the scene when it comes to fantasy analysis in a few months. So, Anand, what are your thoughts on, on Audric here? And is he someone that's going to stick around, or is this just a phenomenal month? Uh, th- this is not a one month wonder. This is not a one-year wonder. Audrey made really, really good and has been. This this is not, you know, some out-of-nowhere player. No has been raving about him now for, you know, well over a year. And the the really cool part about the way that he's burst onto the scene this early, you know, month or so is he has a quarterback. One of his offensive tackles is going to be taken probably in the top seven or eight picks in the right, draft. Right. And – it's not like they have the tight ends that they've had at Notre Dame the past. He's been that guy. They've asked him to create running lanes for himself. He's done it. He has burst. You've seen the vision. And my God, you put that kind of package into the frame the size that Hunter Kestime is. There is a lot to like about him. And no, I do not think that's a fluke. No, I do not think that's anything that you should laugh casually about because he's going to be a really good NFL player. Oh, and I love Maddie, he has a he he has a fifty and eighty, and he has seventy yard run called back. So like he's big, oh, shit. It's like two two thirty five, but he's he's breaking off long runs. This yeah, he's he no is. joke. So you know it's it's funny because you know we had John Lobb and definitely check out that first episode. Well, not the first episode of Futurecast, but the first one, Maddie Keywoman well, and I did season. together of this season where John Lobb kind of broke down some of his top running backs. We didn't even talk about him, but I think if we had John back or, you know, we're going to talk to a number of guests in the next couple of weeks, I think he's a guy like, this is a big, big week. I think that Ohio state is anon. what the number is like three and a half right now, right? Yeah. The, the number opened, uh, the consensus open, you know, like way, way early in the preseason, you could get a 10 or a 10 and a half. Um, then when it reopened, Kind of as we approached uh, July, August, you could kind of see like oh, seven and a half, and it's stabilized right at you know numbers three. And I wouldn't even be surprised to see it go to a two and a half. There is 
a lot, and and I don't think that's necessarily indicative of what Ohio State hasn't shown. I think it's super indicative of Notre Dame able to do things that they haven't done. The last Notre Dame quarterback you worried about like this was probably Brady Quinn. The last Notre Dame running back that you really looked at like an hasn't been there in probably half a decade. I mean, this is and it's that's not a knock on the quarters either. This is just a different level of offensive competency than they've had. Yeah, different level of hype too, uh, for sure. And that's a game you're gonna want to check out because a lot of future fantasy relevant players in that one. So definitely and, want to check and Maddie, it out. If if Notre Dame is gonna win, he's gonna have to play really, really well. And it's he's gonna, gonna have to play be well, on the yeah. ground. So it's I think that's like this is like the the game. If Notre Dame can pull it off, then I think his name is gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and we're gonna have to keep talking about him here on Futurecast. Oh, yeah, especially if Rocket Sanders is going to miss time. I mean, that's definitely hurt his value. But let's move on to the wide receivers. Theo, Keon Coleman burst onto the scene for Florida State a few weeks ago. He's since settled a little, I'd say. Uh, but, you know, the, the round one tags were being thrown out right after that first game where he went off for three tutties on primetime Monday Night Football against LSU, the game that you were most excited to watch, yeah. if I can recall, after we talked about in that first episode. But what's your thoughts on Keon Coleman? I was shocked by how easily Florida State handled LSU. Shocked. I thought it was going to be a ball game. And Coleman has that dog in him. He's an alpha wide receiver. He's absolutely a first-round pick. Three-touchdown game against LSU, and he's calling for the ball. This is a guy who transferred from Michigan State, which is just wild. All these guys you know, coming in all over college football. But like, he's big, he's strong, and he wins on the outside. And I think he's like a lock first round pick. I think this is a guy when we're having our rookie drafts in a few months, we're going to be really, really excited uh, to take Coleman. I mean, certainly he's no threat to Harrison, but I think that he'll be in the mix for like top four wide receiver when we're, we're drafting in these rookie drafts. I think that seems about right. I mean, there's a couple guys that are definitely in the mix for it. Um, and it's a, it's a solid class, but he's, he's tough. And he wins. So I want him on my fantasy team. I think he's got in the NFL. I think he's got a kind of guy that you can look up and he got have 10 touchdown catches in the season. It, it, the, the thing about at Michigan State, and, I, and this is a side note, but it just popped in my head. How did they suck so bad on offense when they had Keon Coleman and Jaden Reed in that offense? What the <laughs> hell were they doing? Mysteries, man. Uh, that is insane. Uh, Peyton, the quarterback, I guess is the, I guess. Is the I mean, what a what is, an indictment on their quarterback last year uh, that he could not perform with Keon Coleman and Jaden Reed, and even their skill sets align so perfectly. If you're outside big man clasher, your crisp route runner that can go and play in the middle. I mean, it seems like a match made in heaven, and yet nada. But yeah, anyway, I mean, Anna, what's your you, thoughts on Coleman? You you watch LSU who is a team full of NFL players. Let's LSU is always a team full of NFL players. Not news. If you're in uh, or out, yeah. Yeah. Uh, offense is basketball on grass. Cause Keon's six foot four, John Will six foot seven. And it's just go up and get it. Cause no, <laughs> what cornerback in America is stopping six? What cornerback do you want in America is stopping six, four, six, seven. And I know, I know everybody's going to freak out about what they look like against Boston. Against anybody else, you know, against the really good teams in America, throw that ball up as much as they want to. And the really special part about Keon is he wants that, right? There, there are guys that are alphas even among the alphas, and we've talked about that in the draft process before. He left Michigan State preemptively. The way that story goes down is basically there were Peyton Thorne to transfer, and then he pulled his name out of the board. Keon put his name in the portal because he's like, I'm not staying without without a quarterback. Yeah. He decides to go to Florida State. Peyton Thorne ends up at Auburn. And we watched week one of the season. There is an argument to be made that there was not a bigger statement made by a player in America in week one than Keon for the first time with a quarterback that he'd known for about three months. They just went out there and didn't. I mean, if you're worried about situation, worried about if will his offensive coordinator use him properly, throw the ball in the general area code and he'll find a way to come down with it. Watch against LSU's players. I think he'll be all right. 
Keon Coleman, one thing I am going to be watching over the next course or the, the remainder of the season is his ability to catch contested, you know, bring down the contested catch. He's 0 for his last six. He did go 3 of 4 uh, last year. That brings his percentage down to 30% on the year. Last year was 62.5%. So I do expect that to go up. And if it does, it'll definitely ease my mind a bit. But I'm just routinely nervous about these go up and get them receivers in this day and age for football. But Keon Coleman, certainly a, a, a fun player. Like you said, Theo, he is a dog. He's, he's a really, really uh, dominant player when he, when he can go out and do so. So as long as those contested catches go back up to where he's typically been, I will be excited to watch Mr. Coleman. The next r- receiver, we teased it a few minutes ago, University of Washington, Romeo, Rome Odozi. How do you say his name? I'm terrible names. Odozi. Adunze yep. sounds way cooler than I said it. So thank you on it for that. So Theo, I know you're excited to talk about Mr. Adunze. The floor is yours, man. What do you think about this kid? Is he the real deal? I think he's a first round pick and I'm interested to see where you guys have him in this class. But, you know, we're, we're talking about Washington earlier with Penix and Adunze just, he just shines every single game for me. I don't know if I would have him ahead of certainly not the two Ohio state wide receivers, certainly not. Trying to think where I would have him though against like we haven't really sat down and ranked these wide receivers, but I think he's really good. I think he's going to end up being a first round pick, and I think there could be a number of wide receivers in the first round this year. Where where are you at on him, Matty Kimum? Because I don't know, I, I I worry a little bit once in a while when it's kind of a product of a system, but he's mm-hmm. got the physical tools as well. He was up on my board, like in terms of my soft rankings. I never really published rankings, so I but I've just tried to keep. Uh, you know, some sort of tally in my head, something that I can kind of keep track of as the season goes on. So I had him ranked pretty good. I yeah, I could double check here in a second. Uh, actually, Anu, why don't you go ahead and, and well, take they, the floor they, on a Dunsey, and then I'll, I'll saying, come right back. They're saying he's a 4-4 guy. They're yeah. saying he's a 4 Like Washington's saying he's a 4-4 guy, and he's easily, you know, 200 pounds. I would say he's probably going to be 200 pounds, 6-2. I think they list him like 6-3. Um, so you're talking about if they if he really does run – like a four four mid four fours. I mean, I mean guys. he plays four four, Theo. Yeah. He looks, I, I mean, yeah, I mean he you, you watch him, you watch him. Again, if Florida State is is basketball grass, this is just artistry between you know what Rome does, what Jalen McMillan does for Washington. And we touched on it earlier with Michael Penix. It's a perfect marriage because everyone is good, good plus at what they do. You don't want to say that anybody's NFL level at the, you know, as a college projection, just because it's hard to see what will and won't translate. You go against true NFL number one quarters, but he's really, really special player. And you see a lot of the traits that make people wonder, can he push a Mecca for that number two spot in this class? Do we want him above a Keon Coleman, you know, who we know is a, a prizer in this class in, in terms of, you know, what his profile before week one to now was. Uh, he, I really just don't think you can go wrong with drafting him and finding a spot for him because all he does is get open and make plays. Mm-hmm. And yeah. where do you have him like on an like versus neighbors or worthy? It's, and see, that's the tough part is, you know, it kind of depends on what you're looking for because if you're looking for, if you're, if your goal is to, find a number one by any means necessary because we've seen teams do it with a Cooper cup and an Amon Ross St. Brown. We've seen teams do it with a true X receiver. We've seen them do it with, you know, you're, you're kind of seeing the Calvin Ridley archetype manifest itself. again. There are different ways to go about building. If you're looking at it purely your preference among those three, is still a first round pick for me. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of back half of round one guys. They don't necessarily have the, you know, I have to take this guy in the top five that an AJ Green had, that a Marvin Harrison had. But those guys are so few and far in between that any of the three Xavier worthy out of Texas. Um, I mean, obviously, Adonai Mitchell is going to get a lot of love uh, after he transferred from Georgia. You're going to get. Malik neighbors who is just a freak of nature by <laughs> basically mm-hmm. metric you can find this class of wide receivers if they all decide to come out is going to be awesome and in oh yeah it'd be top heavy in a way that last year's class just wasn't where right. we were they're all clustered st- in the 20s 
Yeah, I mean, we were we were trying to find roles for all these guys because we had so many slot players, want to call them receivers, that were a little bit shorter in stature. They weren't your outside typical alpha X's. All really good football players. They profiled the same way that this year's class does. And I think, you know, regardless of, of how you feel about Michael Penix Jr., regardless of how you feel about Washington's offense, it's really hard to watch Rome and not be impressed. So, Theo, what's the record for first-round receivers in the NFL draft? Is it six or seven? I think it's seven, but I'd have to I'd have to look Which that I, one up. Because I, I, I could see up to – I definitely could see six in the first round. So, Cody and I put together some cornerstone rankings before the season, so I was able to dig these up. So, I can give you my thoughts on where I have uh, uh, Dunsey in comparison to the field and where I have him now. So, beginning of the year, I had him at wide receiver five. Uh, I've since moved him up to wide receiver four. The only three above him is Malik Neighbors and the Ohio State boys. I still believe that Marvin Harrison and Ibuka are the top two receivers in this class. We have yet to see the holy shit game from Ibuka, but it's coming. Because I've said it before, I believe he's like a Chris Olave plus in terms of his. He's bigger. He's projected to be as fast. He's the Ryachu to Chris Olave's Pikachu at OSU. Uh, that's truly how I, I see him on the field. He's like a DJ Moore. That's why I love them. I'm not going to get shaken loose from his slow start. Neighbors. And then I had Worthy ahead of Adunzi to start the year, but I've swapped that. Uh, yeah. I, I think Adunzi's done enough. And he's shown to be competent in the places that I like for receivers. I think he could be a target guy, not just a downfield threat. I think he could be somebody uh, that truly produces the NFL level. So I'm excited to see him. I think he's I think he's a damn near lock for round one. I dare I say, I think he's going to be in the round one along with, you know, the, the two OSU guys, neighbors, and, and we'll see what worthy is. Because is he Hollywood Brown in a good way or in a bad way? Because he's shown both so far at Texas <laughs> fast, but drops the ball. So We'll find out about Worthy. And then, of course, Coleman is now bursting the scene. Uh, but, yeah, you you kind of alluded to it uh, in terms of the difference of last year to this year. Uh, last year, we were deprived of beasts. This year, everyone is over six feet. They're all over six feet. They all can do, do different things, but they're all dominant in their own way. So this class, uh, it does project to be pretty damn good at receiver. I'm excited some, about it. Go get some uh, first rounders. Go yeah, get some first rounders. Pray yes. for them. You know, be realistic this year. If you're not going <laughs> to, we don't want to get too dynasty, you know, dynasty team realistic. theory, but be realistic this year. If you don't think you're going to win the money, this is a good year to have those 2024 first. You get a shot at Marvin Harrison Jr. And then a shot at a number of other guys that can help your dynasty team for a long, long time. So we're pushing an hour here, so we're going to kind of breeze through the tight ends because, again, it's always super tough to really get excited about the tight ends unless you have a classic last year where there's a whole number of guys to dig into. But the first guy I want to talk to on it, what are your thoughts on Jatavian Sanders? You know, this is the guy going into the year that was the probably tight end two behind Brock Bowers. He's shown some flashes at Texas, especially uh, in that game against Bama. Is he someone that we should care about in our tight end premium dynasty leagues? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, if you're if you're on the field with an Adonai Mitchell and a Xavier Worthy and their scheme targets, you definitely matter, and you especially matter when scheme targets against Nick Saban's Alabama, mm -hmm. because th that game, what that meant, and shout out to Alex Dunlap with, uh, with Ross <laughs> Watch and, and Orange Bloods and Hill Country's finest man. Hill Country's uh, finest baby. He we were talking about this and how if you're going to take a Bama or a Georgia, Ohio State, a Michigan, a Florida State this year, LSU, if you're going to take a team to, to the woodshed in the way that it looked like that game played its way out, you're going to have to have that you can change game across game and mm -hmm. still win if their best is on your best. Jaden Sanders won some of those matchups for Texas, and we're talking about Alabama. It's not. This is not. You know, we're, we're not talking about Rice. We're not talking. <laughs> we're not talking about a, a, a B-list school here. Yeah, yeah, that was really, really impressive. And I mean, obviously, you want to see some things as he grows and you know, turns into a, a little bit more of a blocker. Turns into a little bit more. Receiver. You want to see some growth things, but man, the tools are tantalizing and it's there. Yeah. And, and I'm going to ask you, Theo, about Brock Bauer. So he he hasn't popped. He hasn't had that game. We're like, oh, shit, that's the game. That's the moment. Are we starting to worry that he's not the Kyle Pitts unicorn type of prospect? Or is it just they haven't got into the thick of the schedule yet? 
I mean, he's insulated, and the tape doesn't lie. All you need to do is go and look at like the last past two years. Um, Brock Bowers, we're we're very excited about still Matty Kiwum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he could he could just you know declare right now and sit out the rest of the season. And Brock Bowers is still going to be a very highly drafted guy, and I think that he's he's going to test really really well. He's been super, super productive, and I think there's NFL teams that are going to look at him as a guy that's like the guy they must get in this draft. I mean, I think Brock Bowers, everybody gets excited about him. Uh, When we had John Lobb on, we talked about it. John Lobb's Mm -hmm. model had him up there as some of the best prospects that he's ever graded, and John's got some pretty big-time hits. Shout-out and big hat tip to to John Lobb and and Matt Hicks, who will come on FutureCast soon enough. They were big on Puka Nakua who certainly certainly popped. So we got to pay attention to this uh to these models. Um I have nothing but nothing but good things to say about Brock Powers. I think the only the only like criticism to poke holes at him is he's small for an NFL tight end. And I think the teams are going to have to use him creatively, but we saw Dalton Kincaid drafted in the first round. We saw Sam LaPorta who's a little bit shorter than kind of your traditional tight ends. And he's looked good. So, yeah, and he looks fantastic. So mm-hmm. I don't think NFL teams are scared off on this, but that's like the only hole I can poke in his game is like when we start comparing him to like Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts had the prototypical height, um, yeah. the length. forty-five coming out. And Brock Bowers is just going to be a little bit different. He's going to be a little bit smaller, but he is going to run very, very fast. And this is a guy that was the best player on Georgia's offense for two years, dominated in national championship games. Um, he's a special, special talent. And I think he's going to fly when they test him in the 40. For sure. And he's going to have some big games. I mean, nine targets in against South Carolina. That was the only game on the schedule so far that was worth a damn. And he got nine targets, turned it into seven catches for 77, uh, for 54 yards. Uh, he had a rushing touchdown in week one. And that was something we talked about with John, right? The, was yeah. the ability that they use him on end arounds. They use him in crazy ways that is going to be tantalizing for this uh, type of NFL with these types of tight ends. So that's for sure going to translate. And we love Brock Bowers. So I just wanted to, I was testing you, Theo. I was just testing you. No, no, no. You I'm, I, like, you he, he could go the rest of the year without catching another ball. He, I don't care. You can pull Jamar Chase and just pull yeah. out, and he's going to be fine. He's going to be uh, exactly who we want to draft, especially in tight end premiums next year. Uh, so that's the players that we want to talk about. Now let's talk about a couple of games. So, Theo, I'm going to start with you. What's the one game? Now, with people tuning to this Friday, tomorrow, Saturday, that they have to watch. I want to watch Florida State at Clemson. Clemson is unranked. This is the first time they're a home dog since 2016. And Florida State was tested this past week at Boston College. So, for me, this is like Dabo starts out the year very poorly, loses to Duke. Duke handles them. They Mm -hmm. completely controlled the game. I think it was shocking for a lot of us. It was definitely surprising for me. Um, and this is like the get right opportunity. This is a huge game for Florida state to go win in Clemson as a, as a short, as a short, uh, favorite. Mm -hmm. But I think that this is like, you know, this is like college football at its finest lose to Duke beat Florida state a couple weeks later. You can just see the storyline right now. Clemson gets right as a program. The heat goes off of Dabo Swinney. You can just see it right now. So that's the game that I have circled. There's a lot of games I want to see this weekend though. Uh, but you know me, Matty Kiwum. I'm I'm going to be relegated to watching like one or two, and then when you <laughs> go to sleep, I'll watch. I'll watch the night game. But I got to watch the little. Yeah, I got to watch that. I got to watch that Florida State Clemson game because that game is just going to be tilting for every Clemson backer. Successful program had so much success the last few years, and now they feel like it's a downward spiral. College football is such an emotional sport. All it takes sometimes is one huge moment, and the ship is completely righted. And everybody feels good. That's their opportunity this weekend. All right, and I'm going to throw you a curveball. You can't pick OSU. What's the game that you're most excited about? Well, before I go into the game, to my game, I think you know Theo touched on something that's really interesting, which is get left for dead all the time in Week One, uh, where when they have really ugly losses like Clemson had against Duke. And I also think it's kind of you know a philosophical clash here. Florida State their entire team out of the transfer portal. Notoriously has avoided it. So for that exact reason, I think even over Ohio State Notre Dame, to me, storyline-wise, I think that's the most intriguing game of the week. But for me, it has to be the two left for deads, man. It's gonna be a top 20 matchup in Pullman, Oregon State, Washington State. The two teams in the Pac-12 left for dead. Everybody's going to the Big Ten. 
their team's going to the Big 12. These are the two that they left out. And it's going to be the first top 20 matchup there in decades. Uh, Oregon State, for the people that haven't watched them yet, that is a very legitimate offensive line, probably the best one that program's ever had. DJ Uyunglele, the, the Clemson transfer that was a five-star, is there. They have the Pac-12 freshman of the year in Damian Martinez. They have one of the ten best or five best play callers in college football, head coach Jonathan Smith. Nobody pays attention to them because they don't have to. Um, but that's the team that put on your radar as a hey, if we're going to burn this all down, if we're going to get a 2007 <laughs> ball season where everybody is vulnerable and we've got West Virginia and Pitt at the end of the year looking, or, you know, you've got West Virginia trying to get into a national championship game, kicking <laughs> field goals at the end of the year. Looks if like a like team, basketball bracket. Yeah. If, if, if we're looking for the chaos theory team that actually has the ingredients to make that, run, I think it's, it's Jonathan Smith, DJU and Oregon state. It's a really, really good team. I'm excited to see them try to play up up there in Pullman against Cam Ward and what is really a prolific offense in Washington State. That, to me, is going to be one of the better visual games of the year in, in terms of styles and clashes, and I think we could see a shootout there that would be a lot of fun. And, and on it, it's going to be super lit in like three years when this is the Mountain West title game. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to bring relegation it. into this, man. <laughs> so, 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 the episode someone's someone's got to get out of the Big 12 for one of the games, man. Because, I mean, Jonathan Smith's Oregon State squad looks really good. And, I mean, you're talking about two of the 20 best teams in America right now. And it seems like everybody preseason and a year ago left them for dead in this conference. But, man, what a statement it would be if we could get these two teams to towards the year no loss, one loss, maybe even two lost teams really vying for a Pac-12 title. So I, I, I'm, I'm a little troubled here because I got three games circled on the calendar. One, same, same all, uh, Maddie. There's no rules here. Name yeah. three. All right, all right. So Do first one, of course, OSU Notre Dame. So much fantasy relevancy there. Big game. Also, I'm a child. It's six versus nine. Nice. The next game I want to talk about that I'm excited about is Arkansas LSU. I want to watch Malik Neighbors. Rocket Sanders is practicing this week. I got to see Rocket Sanders be healthy. And KJ Jefferson. We talked a ton about KJ Jefferson on the last episode of the Futurecast. Cadillac Jalen Hurts is what I see. And I want to see him in a big game down at LSU playing in Louisiana. So I'm excited about that. But of course, the game that I'm most excited about is the most obvious. It's Colorado and Oregon. Can Colorado, can Sanders go into enemy territory up in the Pacific Northwest and upset a 21-point favorite in Oregon? Bo Nix has been playing great. The coach was already talking shit. He ain't scared. Uh, but, you know, as, as Dion says, it's personal. He's going to go up there and make it personal after Travis Hunter was – I mean, that was a blatant cheap shot. Like, that was shitty. I mean, the kid's going through it right now. If you follow that poor safety on Twitter, yeah. him and his family going through it. But, hey, that was a cheap shot. So, uh, you know, whatever it is, it is. And, of course, I also want to do this for our fans that are checking out the Futurecast. Theo's game's at 12. Anand's game's at 7. So I'm going to pick the 3.30 game. So we got your Saturday booked, ladies and gentlemen. You got got FSU Clemson at 12. You got Colorado and Oregon at 3. And then you got Oregon State, Washington State at 7 on Fox. So you have your day all picked out and hopefully you check this out friday when we drop so that you got this information locked and loaded for saturday boys that was a great episode episode two is in the books on in the floor is yours plug where the people can find you where they can get all your content and whatever kind of shouts you want to give out right now buddy the two of you and, and you know i just wanted to take the time to say uh everything that you see on camera from maddie he exactly who they are in person i've seen it you know when we were that was fun. at the draft together and so I'm super excited to do that again. Uh, you can find world player profiler. I'm around from place to place, but usually on the decision point with uh, the pod. Fox. We drop episodes really whenever we feel like it. There's no logical <laughs> schedule. there. <laughs> it kind of happens when it happens. It's uh, at Nanduri NFL on uh, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, it's just it's my opportunity to not plug myself but to plug everything that goes on um you know on our podcast feed everything that goes on, on our site. you got people like maddie and theo and billy dario matt that are 
go far above and beyond everything that's asked of them to put together stuff like this as all the time. So, you know, check out everything, you know, maybe not everything's your cup of tea, but you'll find a lot of stuff that, you know, maybe you ordinarily wouldn't have looked at. And uh, I know I have, so that's kind of how I got started here and love every second of hanging out with these guys. It was a blast. Cannot wait for next year in Detroit. Theo, where do the people find you? Uh, you can find me at the OG Fantasy on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Press Coverage, First Class Fantasy. Uh, Sonic Truth, we're doing an episode um, this week. So you'll hear that. We're doing once a month Sonic Truth. Uh, I got a couple other things cooking. You can find me in the Goat District sometimes. And look at my articles. I'm dropping three articles a week mm-hmm. uh, on playerprofiler.com. My waiver wire article will help out a lot of people. And uh, I have a sleepers article. And last week, the sleepers article was hitting. So I'm going to look to replicate it again. Uh, this week, uh, it should drop like the Thursday, Friday. It'll be up on the site for you to read on Saturday. Get you ready for your Sunday games. Theo's dropping heaters. You got to check out his articles. They're the best in the business. And I know I'm biased, but I don't give an F. These are the best articles in the business. You got to go to Player Profiler because, I mean, we're just it's just the best place going right now for fantasy content. So much content. It's truly Player Profiler to the moon. Like and subscribe this vi- like and subscribe to this video if you check us out on YouTube. And guys, watch the game plan. Matty Keewoman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. Check the game yeah, plan. The game plan is going to be lit. lit. Yeah, the, ga- the, game, the game plan, plan is, is lit, fun. though, every week. I got to have both you guys on this year. I didn't have guests on in-season, but this year I am because uh, it's going to be a lot of fun talking shit with you guys uh, on the game plan. So check that out. Uh, Matty Kiwum on Twitter. Uh, what else we got here? Yeah, if you're watching on Twitter, how about you head on over to YouTube? So like the Player Profiler YouTube channel because we got to get those things up. We're going to crank on some numbers. Guys, it was a ton of fun. This is the Future Cast. I'm Matty Kiwum. That's Theo Gremger. We were joined by the great. I'm the very la- last time, boys. Throw the shades up. It's personal.